Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. How about we can just watch basketball? I like that idea. Wow. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take this long. It shouldn't take this long. Welcome to the Weekend Update with Dave DeFore and Keith Parrish. Every Monday on The Athletic NBA Show. It did the same thing to me that it's intended to do to the world. Ding, ding! I have access to information wow. that the public doesn't. Welcome to the Athletic NBA Show. It's the Daily Ding Sunday Weekend Update. I'm Dave DeFore here with Keith Parrish as I am every single week. Keith, we got a huge Game 7 on Sunday and Stephen Curry is the biggest story. The most points ever scored in a Game 7 elimination game. 50 points. Steph Curry just shut down. The playoffs are over. This is the championship game. The Warriors won. That's it. I'm with you, Dave. I mean, it was a all-timer of a game, a playoff career high, 50 points, that is, for Steph Curry. One of those things where we've looked at this regular season and postseason, we're always talking about, like, what's the deal with the Warriors all year? You and I, all season, have been going on. Like, do we care if they never went on the road? And then even this series, you fall down two games to zero, you win three straight, despite having some issues. No Draymond for a game, Steph calling a timeout when he didn't have a timeout. Then the Kings all of a sudden strike back, take that game six. We're like, man, we got a game seven. They got to go uh, and, and, you know, have a chance to light the beam in front of their home crowd. And Stephen Curry says, no, sir. This is me, NBA legend, like further cementing my place in history, basically. I know it's just the first round, but to drop 50 points, like you said, the most points ever in a game seven to, I mean, I know it wasn't single-handedly, I mean, he got some offensive rebounding help from some of his guys, but Steph was, I don't know the proper term is just an assassin. He's just the guy you can't take out. And like, I know this feeling the Kings are having, like I'm a Grizzlies fan last year. You know, we were, we were two seed. We're taking on the Warriors and just like, man, they got Steph Curry. Nobody else has Steph Curry. And it's this overwhelming force. Uh, and, and I mean, and there's honestly, we have to think of things to say, but I was, I was going to say, there's nothing you can say. The guy's no. just Steph Curry and no one else is. Yeah, he's incredible. And he he was doing it everywhere. I mean, he was 7 of 18 from three. He was 20 of 38 overall from the field. Only shot five free throws in spite of all the layups and trips to the basket that he got. Don't expect that to, to get a lot of run in the next series against the Lakers. I'm sure Warriors fans will not pay attention to that at all. He had eight rebounds, Keith. He had six assists. I mean, he really just did everything for this team, including, you know, played better defense than he played in game six, um, you know, this Warriors team, as you mentioned, they struggled on the road all season long. I mean, the two biggest road games of the year for them, they won them. And this yeah. is just what they've done time in time out. This is why I trust this team to potentially win another championship, especially with the Bucks being out of the picture, because when it comes playoff time, they just know how to get these wins. You mentioned Curry didn't do it all alone. Kevon Looney had an incredible game. He had 11 points, 21 rebounds. 10 offensive rebounds and four assists in 31 minutes. 
He was well, four or five from the field. The guy, he was dominant. And again, much like we've talked about the Warriors all season, like what's the deal on the road? We've talked about Kevon Looney all season. Like that guy, he's just a rock they can go to. And maybe in the regular season, they don't care. They turn away from it. He and Wiggins, you know, huge reasons outside of Steph for them winning the title, winning the title last year. He comes to again. He had three 20 rebound games in just this series. He had nine offensive rebounds in the second half. I mean, this third quarter, you saw it where that was where the Warriors just destroying the Kings on the glass. I mean, bless the Kings' hearts. They could not get a stop. They couldn't clear the glass. And eventually, that extra possessions, the extra shots for the Warriors became that Steph Curry avalanche. It was that snowball rolling down the hill. To when he finally, I can't remember the exact score in the fourth quarter, he hit one of his few just absolutely ridiculous three-pointers. And on the next possession, he basically ran into Andrew Wiggins, who was lost yes. on offense. He's like, Steph's running around. They're looking for him. Wiggins is like oblivious that Steph's coming around the screen or whatever. Like Steph slams into Wiggins. He doesn't care. He like just bounces off like a pinball, uh, takes a couple dribbles and hits like 15-foot floater. And at that point, everyone's like, well, they had Steph. That. We didn't. Yeah, <laughs> I over. love that play so much because it's actually one of my favorite things about Steph is that even if you're stagnant on offense, he's not. And he's going to try to use you. He was actually trying to use Wiggins as a stationary screener to yeah. come around and yeah. catch the ball to get an open look. And Wiggins didn't know. Now, normally Wiggins is pretty good about stepping over and getting out of the way. But that moment was funny. But the fact that he like he hit this contested floater. I mean, it was just it was his night. You know, it was really his night. It was the Warriors night. But we should talk about the second half because I think that's where the Warriors championship defense showed up. Uh, they only allowed 42 points to the Kings in the, after halftime. I mean, they were down by two. They win the game by 20. That's really that second half is where they turned it on, especially in that third quarter. Draymond Green was incredible. Draymond Green didn't get credit for any blocks in this game, but I, I'm pretty sure he got his hand on a couple of shots that were deflected. He did get a couple steals. He had eight assists. But... When when you can defend at this level, you know it was a it was a rough Wiggins offensive game, but it was a great defensive game. You mentioned help on the offensive glass. He had four offensive rebounds. Clay Thompson struggled big yes. time. Can't get around anybody. Couldn't get an open look. Plus thirty for the game. He was great defensively in the second half of this one. That's really where the Warriors won. Well, the difference in the game. I mean, it's very simple to say the difference in the game is Steph Curry. But literally, everyone in the second half shot thirty two percent, except Steph. Like the way, like if you take away Steph's sh shots from the, the Warriors in the second half, they were also struggling from the field. But in what ha often happens in NBA playoff games, it devolves into a rock fight. And it, you might say, who has the most grit? Who has the, the better defense, the better offensive rebounding? And then you need that one spark of difference. And that's Steph Curry, where he could do all the magical stuff he did. Because like Wiggins and Looney are doing the dirty work. Because Draymond, despite, you know, never having huge offensive numbers, although he scored a lot in game six. Uh, Draymond just doing all his defensive stuff. And now the Kings, like they had a very exciting good year. They were they were great from start of the finish to end of, end of I mean, start of the season to the finish of the season. Now he's like, all right, we did it. Now what's, what's next, basically? And it probably is that we got to get a front court. We got to get some rebounds. We, we got to get some defenders. But I mean, they, they had an incredible season. You just, again, you ran into the defending champs. Yeah, well, you're, let's talk about the front court a little bit because yeah. I do think that, I mean, that was the issue in this series over and over and over again. Demonis Sabonis got them to the playoffs. Yes. And, you know, there's a lot. When you get into this time of year, it's impossible to analyze the game and talk about the players without also pointing out their weaknesses. And Demonis Sabonis in this series, 
was shown to be an 82 game player at this moment. He's not a guy that you can really depend on in the playoffs to, to lead your team. I mean, Darren Fox and Malik Monk really led this team and kept them in all of these games. And Sabonis just was ineffective. I mean, he had 22 points in this game. He did have eight rebounds. He did have seven assists. But the Warriors were not concerned about him whatsoever. They were able to blow up the Kings' offensive game plan just by sagging off, forcing him to shoot free throw jumpers, which, by the way, he hit a few. I mean, there was a funny sequence where Steph missed two free throws, and they leave Sabonis wide open, and he hits one from uh, from the elbow, and somehow the Kings aren't playing well at this moment, right? Like, it's... One of those things where they've played right into the Warriors' hands. They just got lucky to hit a couple there. And, and you know, I'm not a guy who's like, you got to go tear this down now and get rid of Sabonis because he's a good player. He's going to get you to the playoffs over and over again. But you got to have a curveball, Keith. Well, in this specific matchup, too, and maybe if you paired Sabonis with a different four, like they're, yes, they're just, yeah. they couldn't figure it out. That I mean, they decided their strength was small ball. I mean, yeah, small ball with the guards, but like Harrison Barnes barely played. Um, you know, that they didn't Trey Lyles. I mean, Trey Lyles has had a nice, like, kind of revival basically for his season this year, but yeah, the offensive stuff that Sabonis does in the regular season, it, like, he can mangle bad defenders, but when he's up against a good defender, be uh, a, a Wiggins Draymond Looney triumvirate be it against like a steven adams or somebody in the regular season you see some of those philosophers like okay like he's not a one size fits all kind of offensive hub so now the kings have to figure out like how do we best compliment him but i do feel like they've discovered some stuff with like malik monk i mean just a huge series from him i mean it was a disappointing series from kevin herter who's helped them all season but again the kings have options now and you just have to tip your hat and be like steph curry missed two consecutive free throws against us and still scored 50. <laughs> what are you going to do about that, Dave? What are you going to do? Also, you should do? note, Keegan Murray is a yeah. great story coming out of this because he was not good in the first couple of games. He really turned it around. I thought he was great in this game. Uh, obviously, was great in that game six. Um, that's a huge story. When your rookie is getting quality playoff minutes, I mean, he plays 28 minutes in yes. this game, key part of the rotation actually played really good basketball and was instrumental in a couple of their wins uh, or in at least one of their wins. So um, I, I think they had a great season. This is um, this is kind of the best. If you're a person like me that you just kind of root for what's the best story to come out of this, because uh, I don't really root for outcomes. I just want the best thing. It's the Warriors win in seven in this sort of game where Steph Curry goes off, but that the Kings were in it. They didn't get blown out. You know, this wasn't something where they, they were just happy to be there roll over, go home in five games, Keith. They actually were in this thing and had a shot to win it up until 24 minutes left in the game. I mean, I think that yeah. that's, I mean, this that's a huge thing. And so, you know, if, if you see people or hear people immediately going to the, oh, wow, can't believe that they did that or whatever. Well, here's the thing, man. There really weren't any adjustments you could have made in this game seven that were going to work. Alex Len wasn't the answer, even though Alex Len was an answer for like 10 minutes a game here and there throughout the series. If Sabonis wasn't going to be the guy to get it done, if Trey Lyles wasn't going to be the guy to get it done, it just wasn't going to get done. I also have faith that if there was an answer, if there was an adjustment to be made, Mike Brown would have known what it was. Like Absolutely. I, like, like Mike Brown made this. He made these adjustments for the Warriors last year when Steve Kerr had to step away from the team. And like he got some big wins in the postseason as head coach. And now he comes to the Kings and he's facing his his former squad. I feel like he knows probably all the things that were exploitable, all the weaknesses. And he obviously knows his own players. It just 
when you run into an all-time great who is pitching uh, an all-time great game, and then again, you have these complimentary pieces. I mean, this is maybe a time we can praise this Warriors front office for like just getting the Dante DiVincenzo, just getting a Gary Payton too to come in and soak up minutes and to compliment what you already know you have. Although, frankly, they did ride the starters the whole second half. It, yep. it was mainly, they played the big guns. They did not uh, veer away from Kavon Looney for like a Jordan Poole. No, 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 that's regular season ball. Like they went with Looney knowing this is the man, Mr. 20 rebounds himself, um, who's punishing this undersized Kings front line. Listen, I, I told Ben Taylor, if Kavon Looney plays every competitive minute for the Warriors in the playoffs, I think that they can go back to back. That's yeah. how good that guy is. And the Warriors only got to get a couple days off. They're going to face the LA Lakers because they crushed your Memphis Grizzlies the other night, Keith. Woo. 125 to 85. That was an embarrassing loss. And I'm not going to get into the stuff uh, that happened after the game or didn't happen after the game. Like uh, there was not much media coming out of the, the Grizzlies uh, locker room. Let's just say the guys are going to get into that on Buds tomorrow. We're going to leave that for them. Um, but the Lakers, they look dominant in this game. Obviously, they won by 40, but AD was incredible. He had five blocks in 28 minutes. I mean, that was like a Jaron Jackson performance from Anthony well, it, Davis. It, it, it was a classic. It was akin to like Carl Malone winning the MVP and having to face Jordan in the finals. That yeah. was Jaron Jackson Jr. getting awarded the Defensive Player of the Year award and having to go up against AD. AD, by far the best player in this series, an absolute dominant first round from Anthony Davis. And now we have these two little underdog upstarts facing off in the second round. We got a, we got a six seed against the seven seed warriors V Lakers. I mean, this has worked out. Look, there are going to be a lot of people that say uh, that this has worked out well for the ratings. I don't care. I'm watching these games anyway. Well, those so people I don't think about wrong. things. They're not wrong. <laughs> um, really. What we got is, is Steph Curry versus LeBron James. Yeah. Again, yeah. which is the story of, you know, the last 10 years almost of basketball it is these two going to head to head. And, you know, for this um, this stage of their careers, I mean, Steph, obviously still a champion, LeBron trying to get back there, but just won a title a couple of years ago. This could be the last dance between these two. Um, and, and I don't know. Right. I, I'm I kind mean, of looking I, forward I to it. I think I'm absolutely looking forward to it. I have very complex complex feelings about both of, of these teams. I mean, maybe I, um, I used to enjoy watching the Warriors a little bit more, but like as far as like NBA history wise, I mean, I, w I was telling people during the Kings game, we're like, I like cheering for the Kings and maybe I'm rooting against the Warriors a lot, but NBA history wise, the opportunity at this point in their careers to see LeBron James and Steph Curry show down. And I'm not like a historian or coming up with a big like narrative of the history of basketball, but Whoever wins that series, even if they don't make the finals, like that's big. It's big for the story of the last 20 years of the NBA. And you have like LeBron was good against the Grizzlies, but he's not best player in the world. Good. At least he wasn't in that series. I don't know if he, he's, he can still reach that with the stuff he's dealing with was physically with his foot. Um, maybe he still has that in reserve and it's going to show up for the showdown with the Warriors. But like Steph Curry, you're not going to see a better game than, than you saw uh, you know, this late in his career. So the idea of the defending champs with Steph, with Clay, with Draymond, going against the Lakers who finally have AD and LeBron healthy, this is the dream of what they wanted. Yeah, they got the bubble championship, but like the, everyone always said when they traded all that stuff for AD, as, Le, as long as LeBron and AD are healthy, they should be great. 
And now they put some pieces around them. You got D'Angelo Russell playing well. You got like just, uh, you know, they're deeper than maybe you'd think. And so, yeah, I think it's an awesome showdown for the league, awesome showdown for all basketball fans, uh, regardless of what maybe mild resentments you have towards uh, the franchises. And I love the idea of LeBron and AD getting to play without changing time zone. I think that this is like <laughs> it's, hugely, it might help him a little. hugely important yeah. because yeah. I want to see AD and the, and LeBron healthy as possible for, for this series. Cause it, it could be epic. It could also be over in five. I I'm not ready to make any sort of predictions. I, you no, know, I don't. It's going to be nuts. I so think it's going to be Warriors... a, a knockdown drag out fighting series. Like the Lakers have just scrapped and yeah. clawed their way into the playoffs. They continue to play like a team that's sort of desperate. And I Finally saw some of that out of the Warriors in game seven. here. So, well, I do think the Warriors with the people we've been talking about with the Looney Wiggins Draymond front line. If anyone is at least remotely equipped to handle LeBron and AD, that's probably it. And the Lakers were awesome defensively against the Grizzlies. Garden Steph Curry is going to be a lot different. You're going to have to shift up, shift up those coverages uh, <laughs> for Wardell. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so we have uh, uh, game one of the second round series between the Heat and Knicks was early afternoon. It was actually 10 a.m. Pacific, Keith. So a little breakfast basketball out here. I guess maybe brunch, late breakfast basketball. And the Heat won 108 to 101 because it's a make or miss league, Keith. And the New York Knicks shot 20% from three against the Miami Heat, who... Continue to outperform their their regular season standards shooting the basketball. It was yeah. a bad game for them, too. Yeah. I mean, the story of this one, there's a few stories. Like, the Knicks were in control early. At least it felt Absolutely. like control. You know, they had that first half lead. Um, and then it was one of those things where you got to halftime, and you're like, the Knicks are only up five or or whatever. And then the third quarter, you know, kinda, it kind of swapped over. And then you're just getting Jimmy Butler. And you're getting Kevin Love. You're watching Kevin Love doing his full court outlet passes. You're thinking, why in the world do the Cavs get rid of this guy? He looks like he's fresh and rejuvenated um, playing for, for the Heat. So you had Jimmy Butler, you know, Kevin Love. Gabe Vincent continues being a great story. Meanwhile, the Knicks are, like you say, they're struggling. They're not making their shots. And then I guess the most important thing possibly for the end of this game is Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler twists his ankle and it was a very kind of bizarre moment where Jimmy Butler clearly t- got hurt, twisted his ankle. They took a timeout. He stayed in to shoot free throws. And we're all watching this thinking, hey, can he move? Um, is he going to be a liability? What are they going to do on offense and defense? Well, we'll never know because the Knicks didn't go at him. And the Heat didn't have him touch the basketball. He basically joked after the game in the walk-off interview. He's like, well, all I did was airball a three-pointer you know, after I twisted my ankle, but the heat continued their run. And now, I mean, that's five out of six. They won five out of six games as the eight seed. Like we've never seen that before. <laughs> Again, they rope a us the entire year. Yeah, Jimmy did. Butler played the long con on us. Uh, 25 points, 11 rebounds in this game. Uh, that, that three that he airballed was the only one he took in the game. I mean, it was a Jimmy Butler masterclass yeah. of a game. You mentioned Kevin Love. Kevin Love had four assists in this game. Uh, he had a couple of crazy outlet passes, including yes. one to Jimmy Butler. 
And that was the difference in the game for Miami and their offense because they started getting out in transition on some of these longer Knicks makes and even some of the short ones. I mean, Kevin Love was in the middle of the paint when he threw that pass, but the Knicks were generating open looks. Their offense was actually moving the ball really well. Obi Toppin had a ton of open looks. Jalen Brunson went 0 for 7 from 3. Josh Hart was 0 for 7 from 3. RJ Barrett, 1 of 5. These guys were missing open looks. And I'm not going to make this a thing about, well, you know, hey, the Knicks missed some shots and that's why they lost. But this is a game where you can go and look and they're probably 8 to 10 just looks that they should have hit. Momentum, uh, you know, swing, swing, shoot, right? Like, and stuff that normally drops in NBA games that they just didn't hit. And so they got to find a way to just convert on those looks. I think offensively, they were okay. What they can't do, Keith, is give up the stuff that they were giving up at the other end. I mean, number one, got to keep the heat off the free throw line. That's priority one on the scouting report. They give up 29 free throws in this game. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is going to do his work. But you can't jump after the two pump fakes because you know what he's trying to do, Keith. Yeah, I mean, this was, again, it was like this whole playoffs, there's been so many of these things where, like, you put these, you look at these teams on paper before the season, we're like, oh, that's a really good team. And then what well, we played the regular season and you're like, oh, Kyle Lowry doesn't have it anymore. Um, Kevin Love, he's at the end of the rope as far as his career. And, and then like, oh, Jimmy Butler. All right. This, this team can't shoot enough. But then you get to the playoffs. All of a sudden, Kyle Lowry's blocking shots like crazy or he's just stripping the ball every time a guy drives at him. And the Heat are grinding out this like, I mean, it was kind of a throwback score. You know, like no one was really scoring. A lot of that is the Knicks missing those open three pointers, missing a bunch of free throws. But. I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm impressed. I'm impressed by the older NBA players just being like, it's playoff time. Cool. Cool. It's go time. I'm, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to play good again. Yeah. I'm going to do that next season. I think, uh, here at work, I'm oh, just going to, just, yeah, just yeah, going to, yeah. just going to mail well, it in. I was in just thinking you've been hitting your stride postseason. I didn't think you still had it. I thought Listen, you lost I, your fastball, but look at you, man. That's right. I've been gearing up, but don't you've bite on my pump. For the you know, I'm just trying to get yeah. to the free throw right. line. I'm trying to that's drift right. my way to some wins over here. Uh, there was another game one in the second round. This one in the West. The Nuggets look pretty damn good. 125 to 107. They just handled the Suns. And Keith, we talked about this in the pre-show. Everyone for Phoenix that needed that you expect to have a good game had a good game. Kevin Durant, 29 points. Devin Booker, 27 points. But then what happens, Keith? Right. Yeah. I mean, all their big, even like Aiton was making his shots. Uh Chris Paul was fine, but they got they got blasted. And I think there is some. I don't know if this is true. I always think of this in my own head. This is probably not a real thing, but I always think there's like maybe some, it's like changing difficulty settings when you're playing a video game where like the Suns have not been tested essentially yet since they picked up Kevin Durant, not in the regular season. The, the Clippers, I mean, punched him in the mouth first in that series, but then Kawhi goes down and it's like, did the Suns really have to, you know, pull off a peak performance game to, to beat the, the Clippers? I don't know. And I think the Nuggets were just, uh, they're a different tier up from what the Clippers were. And it, it took maybe the Suns a little bit of time to adjust. Cause like the Nuggets, they were hitting threes, unlike the Knicks. Like they were making a bunch of threes. You got an all time uh, great playoff performance from Jamal Murray. But like Jokic, that wasn't a good Jokic game. No. Like Jokic, his touch, he's basically, he, I think he shot under 50% two games in a row. And he did that. He he only had two games all season where he shot under 50% from the field. So oh, like, it's obvious that wrist is still bothering him. Yeah, I mean, so like, it, it is his touch, him big his time. finishing touch is not there. Still, blowout, dominant victory. I do expect the game two where like the Suns now know, like, oh, 
okay, we we have to do a lot of things differently. We got to step it up. Um, they do obviously have concerns though about that depth. Yeah, where, and, but some big numbers to watch though. Yeah. Um, you know they've got depth concerns, of course, but the big numbers they've got to look at. You don't have the depth to throw the ball around like that because you can't expend the extra extra energy. They had 16 turnovers in the game. No energy on the glass. They got out-rebounded on the offensive glass 16-8, to so they weren't getting second-chance opportunities. And Keith, uh, over in the YouTube chat, Francisco Rojas asked a great question. Can the, win, uh, can the Suns win the whole thing, shooting as few threes as they're doing currently? They only got up 23 attempts, only hit seven of those. They're going to have a math problem against the Nuggets. The Nuggets are going to take 35 or more threes in every single game. You can't stop that. The Nuggets hit 16 threes. Yeah. When anytime you win that three point battle by what 27 points, that's a that's a lot um, for the your opponent to overcome. I think it's a great question, and I think it's one of the keys key stats of this series. Where like we know that the Suns have these mid range assassins with Booker and, and Durant and, and Chris Paul, but I'm not sure they they can hit enough three pointers to to keep up in this series. Certainly, I I, I do I I assume it's going to be a close series. But that three-point battle and just the depth rebounding of the Nuggets, it seems like a lot to ask for that Phoenix team. It was really funny. It's like I watch a lot of Nuggets games. Um, I really enjoy watching this team. And during the broadcast on Saturday, they were just like, the Nuggets are just, just such a deep team. Keep coming at you in waves. And I'll be honest. I never thought of the Nuggets as being a deep team. But compared to the Suns, they are. Like, compared to the Suns, you're like, oh, I'd much rather have these guys checking in right now. Like, Bruce Brown and Christian Brown off the bench just doing stuff. Like, those guys know how, know how to play. And they're, like, they don't need, um, the Nuggets don't need their offense as, like, essentially as the Suns need, like, we, they have to have Josh Okoge make some threes. Like, in an ideal world, Okoge can just do his stuff, which is, you know, rebound, hustle, knock down an open three, but like they, they don't depend on that scoring where the Nuggets, I feel like, have the freedom to be like, hey, anything we get from Christian Brown, icing on the cake. Oh, Jeff Green's making shots tonight, icing on the cake because we have our main guys where where the Suns like, hey, we really need Landry Shamit to make some shots because we can't actually play we can't play five guys 45 minutes and up. Like, you know, it, it's going to it's gonna be too hard um, to take out this really good Nuggets team doing that. Well, that minute load is actually something to watch for the Suns. We know that Booker and, and Durant were up in the mid-40s, uh, 44, 45 minutes a game in, in that first-round series. And maybe they lucked out a little bit by waving the white flag fairly early because yeah. Kevin Durant only played 36 minutes and Booker only played 40 minutes. Uh, you know, the Chris Paul question is going to have to be answered. Like, can he be consistent? I, I worry, you know, uh, whether he can be consistent. And obviously, DeAndre Ayton putting no pressure on the basket offensively it just allows Jokic to chill out quite a bit on the right. other end. Jokic only had one foul in this game. You know, that's something that I think it, if you're talking to DeAndre Aiden, you're saying, look, you got to go and just work a little bit, try to get this guy in foul trouble. And you got to you got to keep him off the glass. Eight offensive rebounds. I mean, a Looney-esque performance. Yeah, I, I think another thing, if you're a Suns fan, that you can probably console yourself with is, like I said, the Jamal Murray game. We've seen Jamal do this in the playoffs before, but that was a on the spectrum of Jamal Murray games, incredibly good game. And then like Aaron Gordon, I don't think is offensively going to give you this every game. Much like we said, all the Suns main guys ha had solid games. Like the Nuggets got great performances from Aaron Gordon, Jamal Murray, Contavious Caldwell Pope, Michael Porter Jr. Up and down the roster. Bruce Brown scored like 14 points. Like they got it from everyone as well. These guys are not all going to have 
ink clicking on the same night usually. So it's not all over by any stretch, but I do think you can be concerned if you cheer for Phoenix that, hey, this this rebounding and uh, and three-point thing, that, that might be real. Yep. Well, uh, that's going to do it for today's show, folks. Thank you guys for listening. For Keith Parrish, I'm Dave DeFore, and this has been the Daily Ding on the Athletic NBA Show. Ding, ding. Ding, ding.